Do you remember when you saw Home Alone for the first time? Absolutely, I do. When was it? Uh, Christmas of 1991. Oh, wow. In theaters? No. Home video. Home video? Yeah. And my recollection is I didn't know what it was. I got it for Christmas. Hmm. And I think at that time, at that age, I wasn't exactly following the box office. Hmm. Uh, I don't seem to recall thinking, oh, wow, Home Alone. It was just a video cassette. And I was like, cool, I like video cassettes. Yeah. I like watching movies on video cassette. Yeah. And then I watched it. I watched it on Christmas Day. Did you and like it, it was oh, it was one of those it was one of those moments. I don't know if you have these in your life, but I have fewer and fewer of them as I age, but when I was younger, I had these benchmarks. I had these times where I remembered at that moment in time that was the funniest thing that had ever happened to me or that I had ever experienced. And at that moment in time, it was the pizza boy pulling up and getting duped by <laughs> Angels with Filthy Souls. Oh, man, I laughed. I cried with <laughs> laughter. I'd never laughed that hard in my life. Do you Do you remember the first time you saw Home Alone? Yeah, I don't remember the specific date. It had to have been 1991 because it was released in 1990, uh, December. Um, I saw it at a drive-in theater just outside of Detroit. You saw it in the theater. I saw it at a drive-in theater. So it couldn't have been winter because they were closed for cold weather. So I had to have seen this Christmas movie either in spring or summer. It was a box office smash. I mean, especially at the drive-in, it's a crowd pleaser. You probably saw it in the spring of 91. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Do you remember your experience with it? I remember specifically loving the traps. Like as a kid, the traps just got me like every single one of them. Uh, But yeah, kids just go nuts for those traps. I mean, even if you've seen it, like... (laughs) a hundred times some of the traps are just still funny the only movies i've ever seen in the drive-in theater i've i've gone once it was a double feature it was bruce almighty and fast and the furious 2 too fast too furious man i feel bad for you i saw jurassic park in the drive-in feel bad for me yeah i mean it was a great double feature okay Welcome back to the Long Road Home Alone. I am Joey Z. Jimmy, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here today. I'm very excited to be here too. I'm so glad to be back with you talking about this film, Home Alone, 1990, mm-hmm. John Hughes. I've seen it. You've seen it. Great. Oh, that's 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 crucial. It's got a sequel. So uh never heard of it. So Let's just fly by the seat of our pants here. What do you have on your mind today? I've been thinking. Uh, I've been thinking about that line. Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. Is that a fact? Yes. The film within a film. Yeah. Of Home Alone. Yeah, talking about the film noir that they made for Home Alone. I think they shot it all in one day. Chris Columbus says in the audio commentary that all of the backgrounds were just cardboard. I've got a lot of respect for the art department there because I I definitely couldn't tell. Uh, You can watch the actual Angels of Filthy Souls on one of the DVD copies of it just in its entirety, which is, well, that scene. Right. That's all they ever shot. Right, the whole scene. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it only took them one day. I mean, I hope it wasn't multiple days of shooting to shoot this thing. No. So, yes, film noir, Kevin is watching rubbish. Right. He's eating junk. He's watching rubbish. Mm. 
somebody come out and stop me. And nobody does because he's made his family disappear. This is in the real Rosie period of he, having yeah. made his family disappear, right? Well, he, he thinks it's like the Truman Show or something. Like everyone's watching what he's doing and they're just pretending not to notice or something. Right. They're playing and, a big trick on him. He's yeah. he's tempting them, right? Yeah, yeah. He's challenging them to reveal themselves. Yeah. Because he can't believe you made his family disappear. But yeah. he's leaning into it. He's like, okay, yeah. well, if there are no rules, mm -hmm. then I know what I want to do. I'm strongly under the impression that Angels of Filthy Souls is the film that Uncle Frank did not let Kevin watch at the beginning of the movie. Right. I think now, we, we have touched on this a little bit before. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like bringing this back around. Yeah. So I, I think that you having mentioned that previously was a real light bulb moment for me. I don't know that I'd ever actually considered that. No. I was always racking my brain for, oh, what were the rated R movies of? I always, uh, always sort of assume. We know that they shot this film in early 1990, mm -hmm. but presumably the story takes place in 1989. Yeah. So I was always trying to think, what were the non-rated R movies that were edgy, you know, in the late 80s that they would have had on home video? Mm -hmm. But I think you could be right. I think it could be, I think it could be this movie. Well, I definitely think it is, and I think that's exactly why when Kevin calls out to everyone and says, I'm eating junk and watching rubbish, I think he specifically picks that movie because Uncle Frank wouldn't let him watch it. And he right. wants to see if Uncle Frank is watching, right. then he's going to come out and tell Kevin he can't watch it now, and then this whole charade is going to be over. And if Uncle Frank says no, then it must be really bad. Yeah. And it is. It's bad. I don't know. It's not that bad. It's bad. I mean, I mean I, it's, I, it's, it's not for kids. I don't know. It, it looks like the violence is like Casablanca violence. I could see Casablanca when I was eight years old and probably not get too terrified. Okay, fair. You know I'll what? give you that. Maybe it but... was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I think that came out in 89. And that's not even rated R. Yeah. I don't think they would have had that on home video yet, though. I, I bought it from McDonald's. My parents bought it from McDonald's uh, at the drive through The end of that movie did scare me. It's pretty scary. It could be uh, it could be Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It could be that. Speaking of McDonald's and John Hughes, yeah. you know those Burger King cups that you have? Yeah. Those Star Wars Burger King cups? Yeah. Have you ever seen The Great Outdoors with yeah. John Candy? Yeah, I just watched it the other day. Have you ever noticed that when Dan Aykroyd's character first shows up at their cabin, hmm. John Candy and Dan Aykroyd are sitting out on like the three season porch and they have drinks and they're in those cups. The Star Wars cups. They're in those they're, they're in those Burger King Star Wars cups. Those are pretty great. I think, I think those are worth those are worth some money. They gotta be worth some money. Like a thousand dollars a glass. If you still have them, honestly, I mean you should sell them. Yeah. I'll think and about you it. should say that they're the ones that they're the cups from the great outdoors. This is the one that was uh, that John Candy was holding. Right. Yeah. Gripping. He's got the. Oh, that's interesting. Thematically, John Candy has the Luke Skywalker cup. Mm -hmm. Dan Aykroyd has the Jabba the Hutt cup. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. Because huts are like scheming, and right, that's kind of what Dan exactly. Aykroyd is doing. Yeah, yeah. And John Candy has this whole complex with his father-son thing that's mm -hmm. going on. He's trying to be the good guy. Yeah, he's yeah. got like powers and. Shit. He's got powers, but he doesn't know that he has them. Yeah. For instance, when he's really good at water skiing. Yes. He's way too good at water skiing in that movie. Yeah. Angels with Filthy Souls. What a movie. Where do you think that title comes from? So in the script, it's not named. 
right? It's just called a gangster movie. Okay. But I am familiar with some behind-the-scenes crew lore. I think it was an interview that the art director did with, like, Better Homes and Gardens or Good Housekeeping Magazine or something, Mm -hmm. where he said the only reason they ever gave the movie a name was because the movie needed to have a sleeve. The tape needed a sleeve. So I'm pretty sure that John Hughes didn't name it that. I think it was the art department that named it Angels of Filthy Souls, and it's obviously this thinly veiled play on angels with dirty faces. I haven't which seen is, that. Oh, so that's that's a 1938 film with James Cagney and Humphrey Bogart. Oh, and also it's got uh, Leo Gorsi and Hunts Hall in it, and they're kids that are looking up to James Cagney, who's like the he's the gangster who just got out of prison. He spent his whole formative years in prison. Now he's out. I don't know if he's really the Johnny character because he's kind of the gangster with the heart of gold. Oh, okay. He's like not... Yeah, Johnny's a... Johnny's cold-hearted. AC said you had some dough for me. That effect. How much do I owe you? AC said 10%. Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. What do you mean? Guys, I'm eating junk and watching rubbish. You better come out and stop me. What's that title mean? Angels with dirty faces. Where does that come from? Who are the angels in that story? That's a good question. Who are the the angels and angels with dirty souls? With filthy souls. Angels with filthy souls. Well, I mean, I think angels with dirty faces is a reference to the fact that these kids are not yet irredeemable mm. they're at a pre- they're they're like at the precipice they're at a turning point and they can either turn to a life of crime and gangsterism or they can turn towards a life of of piousness and service mm-hmm. because james cagney's best friend is a priest uh. they were ruffians as kids they came up together but pat o'brien went the route of the cloth yeah. Right. And James Cagney became a gangster. So I think it's like angels with dirty faces are like, you got a good heart, but you're rough around the edges. Angels with filthy souls. On the other hand. like the other thing. Like, yeah. you're, you, you know, you're like a pillar of the community, but you're actually just rotten to the core. Ooh, I like that. I like that. What do you think the movie's about? You get one scene where Johnny basically just blows away snakes because the guy walks in, delivers what I assume is probably heroin. Yeah, he's got the stuff. He's got the stuff. He doesn't have the stuff in his hands, though, does he? No. He's got it in the trunk of the Packard. Yeah. He just outside. Had to, he had to get the money first. Right. And then... Uh, right, because, yeah, he says, leave it on the doorstep. Yeah, and Johnny seems oblivious as to... Well, not oblivious. He's probably just, you know, doesn't care. Indifferent. Yeah, he's indifferent as to how this stuff works. But, you know, usually when you drop off a package of drugs, you, like, exchange it for money. Yeah, unless, goods and services. Unless you, like, give it to them up front. It's and, really basic commerce, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Johnny seems pretty uncertain about how that works. You know, how much do I owe you? Oh, he says, leave it on the doorstep. <laughs> leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. <laughs> you know, like a, a package of heroin. Does he say that when, when he just knocks on the door? I can't remember because you you get that scene mostly from the perspective of people outside of the house. So is it snakes knocks on the door and he just immediately greets the knock with leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. Either way, we're looking at some kind of drug deal going down here. 
Snakes is dropping off some package. Johnny's supposed to give him money for it. Oh, actually, it sounds like AC was supposed to be there. And yeah. Johnny... And he's upstairs taking a bath, and I think that I think that bath is a bloodbath. Yeah, AC is I think dead. he's in a tub full of blood. Johnny is uh, out for blood. Yeah. So this is just the start of it. Do you think, if we're talking about what we think the movie's about, do you think that Johnny is the protagonist of the film? He's probably an anti-hero. Right. You know, like, this may like be a, a true noir. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I always thought he, he handled snakes pretty aggressively. You know, the guy like comes in. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I love it. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, the way that that actor, uh, what is it? The guy who plays Johnny is Ralph Foodie, And the guy who plays snakes is uh, Michael Guido. Yeah. And the way that Johnny plays it, it seems like he's slighted at some point in the conversation. Like snakes said something to set him off. And snakes but- is snakes is really like not threatening or combative in this conversation he's just trying to finish the deal yeah this is how it works i give you the drugs you give me the money it's not working that way something's wrong and then he tries to leave and and snakes also seems he doesn't seem like a milk toast guy he seems hard-boiled he seems like he's part of the world yeah he's not like some first time dupe who's yeah. been sent on a job he doesn't understand. He's like, I got the stuff. Yeah. He's wearing a fedora and an overcoat. Yeah. He's, he's probably he's probably packing. Yeah. 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 The conversation turns at some point when uh, Snake says, what about my money? What money? What money? <laughs> AC said 10%. He's like, too bad AC ain't in charge no more. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, goes, too bad AC ain't in charge. That's how you know he's dead. Because right. too bad AC ain't in charge no more. Right. He's upstairs taking a bath. He'll call you when he gets out. Uh, and I love it. Like at that moment, Snakes is like, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> slowly backpedaling towards the door. Yeah, and that's when Johnny seems like he becomes unhinged. I'm gonna, I tell you what, I'm gonna give you snakes. Like snakes insulted him in some way, but snakes is just like, uh, I gotta get out of here. He says a really just an awful thing. He goes, I'm gonna give you to the count of ten to get your ugly yellow, no good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead before i pump your guts full, full of, of lead that's <laughs> awful yeah i mean this is a bad dude yeah snakes backs out of the room having done nothing he's like look i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm going right. okay. i'm leaving <laughs> yeah <laughs> but and then but after- johnny knew he was gonna did did johnny know he was gonna mow snakes down from the get or did he just decide in that moment this is gonna be a lot of fun to murder this guy in cold blood like what do you think he was doing in that room before snakes showed up was he waiting for snakes or was he just screwing around in ac's office trying to get money or something i mean he's sitting behind this large oak desk like he's Open for business. Doesn't he have a magnifying? I think he's holding a magnifying glass at the beginning of the scene. Oh, I I wouldn't have called that myself, but I think you're right. I think he's like looking at banknotes. He's looking at uh, jewels of some sort, rare gems. This movie, this film within a film, right? Which you see three times? Over the course of Home Alone? You do see this three times. You do see this three times. So how do you feel about that? Uh, I don't know. I think it works most of the times. I feel like each time it... So the first time you've got Kevin is just terrified by it. 
And that's actually the moment, like at the end of that scene where after Johnny's mode snakes down, he pauses the movie and he screams mom. Right. And uh, that echoes and resonates in, in Kate's ears. Yes. Mid Atlantic ocean. Yep. You follow right into the scene where she realizes she's forgotten Kevin behind. And so that's where the first scene ends with angels of filthy souls. The second time he does it as a prank on the pizza boy. I, I honestly don't know what his motivation is for this. He kind of just feels like he wanted to terrorize a pizza boy or something. I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to interact with the guy. And so he thought he would like sure. play the movie. And Okay. Yeah. So there's a couple things that are happening here. One, I think it's establishing that Kevin is still living in the thrill of being home alone. Yeah. He's getting that cheese pizza that he wanted that he didn't get before. A right? lovely, a cheese, lovely cheese pizza, pizza. just for me. Mm-hmm. He's also just being mischievous. He's just being an eight-year-old kid with a sense of humor. He's playing a gag on the pizza boy. And it's one moment. It's one of a handful of moments. We see it mostly it's once he has uh, raided Buzz's personal effects. We also see it when he's shooting the miniatures into the laundry chute. Right. It's these like just a going down the stairs on the sled. On the sled. Exactly. It's just these like few handful of moments where we see Kevin just being a kid yeah being kind of naughty yeah but also he may be vetting this gag i think i don't know he doesn't know about the wet bandits at this point this is is this still the first night before they have come yeah i I think i think this is just straight up mission oh he does they did try to come down to the basement stairs at this point i feel like he already he's already got like the seed is planted yeah. that they come and then he's like, I can't be scared. I'm the man of the house. Yeah. But then he sees Marley and yeah. Marley's too scary. Yeah. He trumps that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think maybe Kevin is already partially in, in planning. This one feels more motivated by mischief to me. Like, I think he just liked the idea of playing a prank on the pizza boy, especially because earlier in the film, he says, how come you didn't bring more cheese pizza? And I feel right. like this is yes. his like childlike vengeance on the pizza boy. Right. It's the pizza boy's fault. Yeah. 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 First of all, he's like told to go to the back door around this huge freaking house. Yes. <laughs> he's got to go to the back door. He just leaves it there the guy doesn't offer payment he has to ask for it he gets payment and the tip is like 25 cents or something like that right and then whoever gave him this tip says keep the change you filthy animal (laughs) all the poor pizza boy says back is cheapskate yeah cheapskate is a pretty mild response (laughs) to being called a filthy animal by a stranger yeah yeah. After they've paid you your like 25 cent tip. And Kevin is so pleased with himself. Yeah. <laughs> so this movie within a movie, this is also this moment where we see the character of Kevin has grown, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. the not... last time we saw it, he was terrified of this movie. Mm-hmm. Between then and now, he thinks it's funny. Yeah, and now, he's, and he's so, using it to terrify other people. Exactly. He sees the value in it, but he's no longer afraid of it. So it's one more element of him overcoming his fears. Yeah. It's the first one. This feels similar to, you know, the moment when he tells the furnace to shut up. This is right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So do you feel like Angels with Filthy Souls is, is it a harbinger of what Kevin's up against? Mm. And do you feel like it relates somehow to Harry and Marv Mm -hmm. and their relationship or what they're up against? There must be meaning behind it. Well, he watches it the first time and he's terrified by it. So, I mean, I guess we can presume that gangsters are just violent people, maybe scare Kevin a little bit. Um, I know from the behind the scenes, like when it came to telling the story for it, they specifically chose robbers as the bad guys because they felt like robbers are just like something that kids are terrified of, sure. you know, like instinctively or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And burglars are their, their, criminals but they're not inherently violent like they're they're hoping to not encounter people yeah they want to get away in the dark they just want to steal stuff yeah harry and marv specifically were targeting houses that didn't have people there because they didn't it's not armed robbery Mm. they're not tying people up in the basement they want to get in and get out and not be seen yeah yeah so the third time he uses angels with filthy souls is on marv And that's the one that he has set up. He's just waiting for somebody to try to intrude. And he has the firecrackers on standby. He has the tape set to the right moment. And he's ready for him, too. He runs and he grabs the clicker and presses play. He also changes it up this time because with the pizza boy, he only played Johnny's lines. Right. So Johnny was talking to the pizza boy. This time, Marv is overhearing a conversation happening in the McAllister's abandoned home. Yes, he reutilizes it. Yeah. I also remember thinking as a kid, wow, he's got skills on the VCR because I can't jump around in a scene on a VCR like that. Yeah. Also, that little Zenith television in the kitchen or whatever. There's no way that it's got output in its like treble heavy stereo speakers. No, he's got he's got extra speakers set up on the counter. Oh, he does. Yeah, he pulled oh, like okay. he pulled some even like, for the Pizza Boy. I, I think it is for the Pizza Boy, but he definitely pulled those speakers out and put them on the counter to make it louder. Okay, and then yeah. with Marv. He doesn't do it with the pizza boy, but he pulls the firecrackers out right. with Marv. He adds the firecrackers from Buzz's yeah. stash. He also thinks he's heard this before. Yeah. It sounds familiar to him. Maybe Marv has seen this movie before. Yeah. And he just can't place it. I, I know I heard that name Snakes before. He sounded like a snake. And he, and he doesn't. No. He doesn't sound like a snake. He just sounds like a gangster. No. So you pointed at something which is the audacity of recycling a gag and this is something that john hughes has done elsewhere in other films we've talked about the great outdoors he does the raccoon he does it with the raccoons yeah four or five times in that movie yeah i don't know if it works as well but this is there is an audacity behind recycling a gag like setting the table and then just serving it yeah over and over again It's Little Nero, sir. I have your pizza. Leave it on that doorstep and get the hell out of here. Okay. Um, but what about the money? What money? Well, you have to pay for your pizza, sir. That a fact. How much do I owe you? Uh, that'll be eleven eighty, sir. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Cheapskate. I just want to go back for a minute. You assumed or suspected that the stuff is heroin is smack yeah he's probably not leaving alcohol on the doorstep right no though i mean it would be obvious it would be a huge crate or something yeah if it's a package yeah yeah i could see heroin yeah it makes sense 
Could have been cannabis. Could have been cannabis. Could have been uh, reefer. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't organs. It wasn't human organs. They weren't really doing a lot of... uh, no. of organ transplants got, right, the, the 30s, got, the, right? got the stuff i got the stuff here's a question if we're going to imagine that angels with filthy souls was the movie that uncle frank was watching with the big kids mm-hmm. which is kind of funny in its own right yeah the question remains was uncle frank right him sending kevin out of the room because you know he probably knew his nephew to kind of be a a, a wimp a wimp yeah a coward yeah yeah or an eight-year-old kid right a wimp and a coward but he ends up seeing it so yeah he is scared the first time he realizes he needs his family but then he starts to use it you know he gets he's he's drawn back to it you know like that's that's the other thing that's strange it's like i don't remember that about when i saw movies that scared me i wasn't i wasn't drawn back to them until like many years after the fact we don't see him but he he goes he goes back to it very quickly yeah it really is the first link in the chain of kevin's transformation right so maybe uncle frank is right that the old kevin Mm. can't handle it yeah but this is the new kevin rapidly emerging right facing the challenge facing the crisis of the day where do you think that movie ends what do you think the end do you think uh him blowing away snakes is the end of the movie or do you think that's like the inciting incident like this is just the start of it i killed ac i killed snakes and now i'm on a rampage and i'm gonna kill the rest of chicago i don't think it's the end of the movie because those horns mm. those sort of drippy oh yeah that's no like our horns early... feels like intro music yeah it's we're this... setting it up like that's like a welcome to this world sort yeah. of thing yeah if it's the first scene of the film it feels a little out of nowhere there should be a little more character development we know johnny survives because there's a sequel you're right yes yes in theory, you are Which right. Which you just acknowledged. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> I want to talk about that, but I don't want to acknowledge it. So, yeah. and and I feel like if we're going there, the sequel's so cheap. It's such a, it's it's just such a cheap rehash. If we're going there. All right. I, well, no, we don't have to go there. I don't want to go there. Stop. I can't do it. You know I what I think of, it. you know what I think of Johnny as, uh, I think of him as like a Wishmaster character. I think he's like the bad guy that the story follows around or like Freddy Krueger or something. Hmm. Okay. So he's, he's not an anti-hero, but he is the protagonist. Do you think that his character changes throughout the story? No, based on the sequel, I'd say uh, it, it seems very much like a murder rampage. Like I'm going to kill everyone in my way. And, and then he gets away with everything at the end and he doesn't learn anything about his experience in the script in the, now it's the blue draft. So it's an early script, early shooting script, but the film ends with Harry and Marv in prison. Mm hmm. And Angels with Filthy Souls is on the TV. Oh, wow. And they look at each other. (laughs) I don't know if this is before they added Old Man Marley. No, I think he's a character at this point. But it's before they went heavy on the heart. And it sounds uh, like the purpose of that scene then was to to, for, for Harry and Marv to realize, oh, like he just played a movie for us. And if we had gone in, then we would have gotten away with it. Right. We've been duped. Yeah. Yeah. I love when Marv gets back to the van and he's just describing what what just trans 
fired in that. <laughs> like, like, one of them blew the other one away. <laughs> He's so convinced. Like he, it, it, he, it, it gets him hook, line, and sinker. He is sold. Yeah. And then he's so convinced that Harry is then the wheels are turned. He takes it at face value, even though he knows that Marv's an idiot. Yeah. He's like, well, he clearly heard something going on. He's all fired up about it. Yeah. Then Harry starts thinking strategically, you know, oh, what if the police start asking around? Wouldn't it be good to have a face to go with their questions? Maybe we should wait around, right? That's a terrible plan. It's a terrible plan, but it ultimately works for them, right? Because they do keep sticking around. I think we're getting scammed by a kindergartner. By a kindergartner. Yeah. So this one, I think, is like one of these moments where we know that there is value in this gag. It's actually Mm. crucial to the plot. Yeah. Um, I think the the main crux of Angels of Filthy Souls is to show Kevin's progression. You're just getting little moments of Kevin growing just a little more because he has to. And then you just get these beats of him like not being scared of this and not being scared of that. And oh, I can use this thing I used to be scared of to scare other people or to play pranks on other people. It's showing Kevin's growth throughout the movie. Kevin grows. And mm-hmm. I feel like we grow with him. Especially, I feel like you've grown too, Jimmy. Yeah. Do you feel that? No. No? Okay. (laughs) The Long Road Home Alone is broadcast live from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. It's hosted by Jimmy Dantes and Joey Z and produced by Pat Muldoon. Until next time, eat junk and listen to rubbish. (laughs) 